Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Patina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. We're back from our break. <laughs> we were on a break. Oh. Uh, it is now 2022 when you're listening to this episode. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It feels like 2021 still. <laughs> we... We're coming to you from the past. We're, We're the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> We're a little late. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we're still we're still in 2021 when we're recording this, but we took a little break for the holidays. For things, uh, hope you guys had a good holiday. Whatever you celebrate. Happy New Year. Oh, happy everything. Great. I'm hope we're re-energized now. Yeah. <laughs> after this break. New Year, new me. <laughs> All right, so this case is going to come to you from Australia. A land down under. Yes. Okay, so this is two stories in one. Okay. Okay. This is the story of Natasha Ryan. And if you're from Australia, do you already know this one? No, but you're leading with the name of the victim, right? Yes. Yeah, so I... Almost am sure that you'll get to the name of the person that actually killed her, and I'll be like, oh. Well, the and then the other person I'll tell you right now is Leonard Fraser. That does sound familiar. Does okay. he have a nickname? Um, Lenny the Loon. That's not who I was thinking. Okay. okay. Go ahead. So Natasha Ryan okay. is 14 years old on August 31st, 1998. She is a high school student, and unfortunately, she has run away before, and her mom on this day dropped her off at the footsteps of the high school, said goodbye, said, love you, mom, and the school day went on, but when school was over, she was never seen. She didn't come home. Her mom made a report about her being a missing kid, and like they had done in previous situations, they always went and checked with her a little bit older boyfriend, Scott Black, to see if she was with him and checked around the area. But because she had done this before, she was a runaway, although they usually found her within a day or two, and this wasn't the situation in 1998, they... Wrote it off. They wrote it off. Yeah. It's a routine runaway. She's had some issues before just with discipline. And because at the end of the school day some school kids said that they saw her at a local cineplex and that they heard screeching tires leaving the parking lot so they put it off as she was running away with her boyfriend okay they interviewed scott black intensely but he did not seem to be involved whatsoever in her disappearance okay so, time went on. Unfortunately, the mom was not getting any answers about her missing kid, about missing Natasha. And they, the local detectives, saw that there was a trend happening of women going missing or being found murdered. And it wasn't until April 22nd of 1999 where a nine-year-old, Kira Steinhardt, was missing that they lumped all of these together. So on April 22nd, 1999, uh, nine-year-old Kira had been asking her dad to bike to school, but her dad said, no, I don't want you biking to school because it's too dangerous to be on the road with a bike and cars. You can walk to school. 
that's fine. You're going to walk with a friend to this area and then you guys, you know, go your own each way at this point. You're only about 15 minutes from home. Not a big deal. There's this couple who recalls being in the balcony of their the back of their house and they have an open lot on the back of their house that kids usually cut through and they saw who they now know was Kira walking through one day and there was a man about 90 feet behind her walking behind her. They didn't think much of it. They thought it was probably her dad just letting the kid walk ahead of her and the next day they saw the same thing. They saw a nine-year-old walking across the field and they saw an older man walking behind her again about 90 feet. And as the husband that was in the balcony went inside for a minute, the wife saw that the man caught up to the girl, knocked her down, and seemed to be attacking her in one way or another, but it was too far away for her to tell exactly what was happening. Yeah. And the husband came out. They couldn't really see what was happening because it was just too far away. And they saw the man get up and walk away. They didn't think much of it because they're like, I don't know what's happening. But they said they thought he was attacking her. (sighs) Yep. And then they saw a red car pull into the same empty lot. And they saw him kind of put something in the trunk of the car, the boot of the car. And they waited a whole 40 minutes before calling police before calling any authorities now they've definitely received grief for this because 40 minutes is a very long time Mm -hmm. but at the same time if it weren't for their description and their timeline they probably wouldn't have been able to put any of this together so very quickly because of the description of the vehicle and because of the description of the what seemed like the possible perpetrator at the time from other kids that were walking with her from school beforehand, they very quickly zeroed in on Fraser. So Leonard Fraser was kind of new to the Rockhampton area. And because this is where women had been gone missing, going missing and whatnot, mm-hmm. they went and knocked on the store. So a little background on Fraser. No one wanted him in Rockhampton. The police were very well aware of his presence there. Prior to him coming to this area, two years prior to that, he had spent 20 years in prison for different sexual assaults, abuse, and rape. Oh, God. So he had spent the majority of the last two decades in prison, and he had just gotten out. So while they go knocking on his door about Kira's disappearance... He is living there with his then lady partner, Christine Rate, who is mentally handicapped. So although she is of adult age, she did not have adult mental capacities. Okay. And she told the police, told the detectives, that she did remember that the day that Kira disappeared, they went for a car ride into the woods and... He walked to the trunk of the car and took out something that was doll-like and put her into the woods. Again, Christine Reed does not have all her mental capacities. Yeah. So she just described it as best as she could. And as far as the location, she described it as best as she could. The detectives did not find anything. So at this point, they had to go back to Fraser and ask him, Hey, it's not where she's saying it is. Where is Kira? Where mm-hmm. is she? 
And at this point, he has a cellmate who he's friends with. His name is Quinn. And he starts telling Quinn, like, hey, they're going to get me on this nine-year-old. Yeah. What should I do? And he's like, well, you know, you should probably go for the insanity case. And he's like, well, you know, you're right. That sounds like a good idea. While he's in jail, though, unbeknownst to Fraser, there's a hotel down the street that the hotel staff goes in to clean, and they find a bloody murder scene. They find blood everywhere. There's cast-off everywhere. There is shoes and clothes of a female in a deep freezer that's frozen in some just a pool of water that was in the freezer. And it wasn't until two weeks of him being imprisoned that, or at least on holding, on day 13 is when he confessed where the body of little Kira, nine-year-old, would have been. So he led them to the location of a creek bed, a dry creek bed, where they found her body. She had been sexually abused, um, Mm -hmm. and it was, I believe, she was bludgeoned to death. While he's in jail and he's confessing to where Kira's body is, he also confesses to the the murder of Sylvia Benetti, mm-hmm. which is apparently a woman who now we know was murdered in said hotel room. He had made some advances on her with the promise of taking her up there to sell her some weed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And she did not take on his advances he got really mad he started beating her he knocked out some teeth that were still in the hotel room he beat her so bad that there was blood all over in the walls the ceilings of the hotel room oh my gosh while she laid there unconscious he confessed to sexually abusing her while she was unconscious probably at this point deceased and put her in the trunk of the car and then disposed of her body as well this guy is brutal. Yeah, I was going to say. like He is brutal. And it's not like he's trying to cover his tracks. No, he is he's messy as hell with all of this. He just seems very because rage-filled. Because in the trunk in this car, right, they found two different kinds of DNA, which was Kira Steinhardt, the nine-year-old, and Sylvia Benetti, who was only 19 at the time. And so because of that, he confessed to both of those, and he also made some maps of where two other bodies or three other bodies were located. So Sylvia's body, he also confessed to Natasha Ryan, the girl that had gone missing in 1998, yeah. and to Beverly Vago and Julie Turner. So he had made maps to where possibly the locations of their bodies could where they could be found. And um, in his house, they found three ponytails full of hair that had been roughly, crudely chopped off of so- off of someone's head, but it did not match any of these women. So these are prob- probably additional victims that we don't know still who they belong to. He had um, also confessed to raping a French tourist. Um... To the point where, and this was completely random, this was at a park, completely random, most of them were, <sighs> he he raped her to the point where, like, she was unable to have children. Ugh. Oh, my um, God. 
He raped another woman. Um, and again, he's so careless. He dropped this wallet and that's how he was found. And that was the 20 years that he was serving. That he served the first time in prison. Oh my God. So he was confessing to all of these murders. So in and out of these stints of getting in and out of prison. he When he was released on parole in 1974. Within three weeks... He, uh, this is when he dropped that wallet and he was taken back into custody because he was still on parole in 72. Um, he committed another rape and, um, when he got out in 70, in 78, um, he met Pearl Rigby. He started a new life with her and he got a full-time job. He even had a daughter with her. Um, but, and then from 78 to 85, there's this big gap where he, seemingly didn't do anything but in 85 he just walked and just walked down to the beach and found a random woman and he served another 12 years in prison for her and this is where he got the nickname Lenny the Loon yeah so he served his full sentence um the judge made sure to wait till the very last second to mark the full 12 years before he was released so you know a lot of prisons will let you go the day of nope she wanted to make sure that it was 12 years to the second before she released him in 1997 sorry i know i'm all over the place but this guy is just there's so many in 1997 he moved to yepin um where he settled down with marie who is a terminally ill cancer patient oh my gosh and she travels to brisbane for cancer treatment on one of these trips she went to the hospital and she said she wasn't going to go back home to Yepin because there was no point. She was going to just live her last days there in Brisbane with as much care as she could get, etc. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Brace yourself, guys. I'll probably put a warning at the beginning of this. He took her down to the hospital chapel, closed the door, raped her, oh and my left God. her there. And she died soon after. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's just terrible. Uh-huh. Is a terrible human to being. a woman that's terminally ill. Yep. In a hospital chapel. Yep. Oh my God. So, um, at this point, after he did that, he was still. At this, he had a daughter at this point. So I don't understand. Ah, oh, God, there's so much I don't understand. But he obviously targeted women with disabilities at this point. Mm-hmm. He, when he moved to Rockhampton, he would often be dragged out of bars because men were defending other women one time they saw him spiking a woman's drink and like trying to drag her out of the bar and you know onto the road and they're like no get the hell out so they like physically shoved them out of the bar and whatnot um and then after that's when he met christine Raitt. so here's where it gets um tricky because he made all these maps while he was waiting in prison or guest uh for trial and he had this cellmate, Quinn. He made these very, very detailed maps. And I'll show you the maps. Uh, because you would think that only the perpetrator of these crimes could draw such details as far as where bodies are located. So this is a town of the map. And you see the red dots? Yeah. That's where he's saying all the bodies are. Oh my gosh. He drew that? Yeah. Wow. Very, very detailed. Here's another one. That's crazy. Very detailed about... You know, there's a creek here, there's a fence here. There's yeah, a he wasn't here. trying to hide him. No. So, 
two weeks before he was going to go to court for the four murders, additional murders that he had confessed to and bodies that he had confessed to, the National Children's Hotline gets an anonymous call mm-hmm. from Natasha Ryan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, it's been five years. They chopped, they chalked her up as dead. Her family had held memorials. Natasha was not dead. Oh my gosh. She was, in fact, living with Scott Black, her older boyfriend, and had been living with him for the last five years. What? Yeah. So she wasn't ever a victim of his? Nope. And her boyfriend just lied and lied and lied. Yep. That's really, really messed up to do to somebody's family. Yep. To your own family, Oh, my gosh. Yep. So. That's terrible. She called into the hotline because she saw that he was about to get convicted for her murder, even though she's... So she had a crisis of conscience? Exactly. Wow. No respect for her. So what happened with her is that, yes, she had ran away before, and she says that, you know, she had a rough school life, rough home life, and that she ran away with her boyfriend at the time, Scott Black, and at first, it was just... It was just like, haha, yeah, I'm doing this, you know, being a rebel teenager. And then it quickly snowballed because they were putting so many efforts into trying to find what was a 14-year-old at the time. And so she just said that she just got afraid at some point that she just couldn't take it back and just stayed in hiding. So she stayed in his apartment this whole time. And then if anyone came over... This is why she's known as a girl in the cupboard, because she would go into this small little closet and hide while people, while he had company over and stuff. Why does somebody want to live like that? They would never hang up her clothes to dry, because it's female clothes. They didn't want to bring any attention to Scott. Was she, like, abused or something? Or It doesn't say that she was. And she even made her own feminine hygiene products because they didn't want him arising any suspicions by buying them at the store. How does one make those? I think rolled up toilet paper and things. Or towels. I saw, I made my way onto prison TikTok the other day. <laughs> I don't know how this yep. happened. Made my way on a prison TikTok the other day and there was a woman that was demonstrating how female inmates make um, tampons out of pads. And it was the most interesting thing I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. So she would make her own so that Scott wouldn't be seen buying tampons or pads at the store. So there wouldn't be any suspicions of him having a female at the house. And they lived in one house for three years, which was about 40 minutes from her parents' house. But for the last two years, she was a full 10-minute ride from her parents' house. Oh, my gosh. Why didn't they just, like, up and move so or something? when she called into the hotline, she just said, you know, this is the situation. I was a runaway, but this person is saying that they killed me. I want to go home, but I don't know how. I'm scared. I don't know how to, like, tell my parents that I'm alive. So... That's terrible that you made your parents go through that. So they eventually raided his house and they found her in the cupboard. Um, she wasn't living in the cupboard. I mean, she was living in the apartment just full and well. and She was just hiding in she there. She was just hiding in there when came someone over. came over. So she he almost got convicted for this additional murder. He, he was sentenced to life. Of course, he was convicted to life for the other murders because he was definitely a 
repeat right. brutal offender, and he definitely did murder people. She's lucky she didn't end up blowing the whole case, though, with right. that. Right. And the reason why he was confessing to all these murders, it was a plea deal that if he confessed and helped find some of the bodies, they would move him out of general population. Because, obviously, if you kill a nine-year-old, you're fucked in prison. Yeah. So... Because of that, he was willing to confess to say that it was him that murdered Natasha Ryan, including included her into the thing. So, um, no, luckily you're right. It didn't derail any of his other proceedings. They continued as normal. They just took her off the list, but um, he was still convicted. He died of a heart attack some years later. But as far as um, Australia goes, they definitely changed their laws afterwards as, as far as... Uh, sentencing goes and just because he had committed so many crimes before even Kira and Benetti that he hadn't served enough time for for the other stuff that was still very brutal stuff and he confessed to other stuff too he confessed to so all in all he confessed to Kira Steinhardt the nine-year-old Sylvia Benetti the 19-year-old Um, which is her DNA was in the car. Her blood was in the trunk of the car and the back seat door frame. And it was also, there was blood stains on his cigarette papers that were in the glove box. So he obviously enjoyed a post-murder cigarette before the blood on his hands were even dry. Crazy. Um, he confessed to Beverly Lego, who was 36, Julie Turner, 39, Sandy Lawrence, Michelle Lewis, and a girlfriend who we don't know her name. All I could find on her was that she was an Aboriginal, uh, from Australia. So that's that she was 17. And then the three ponytails who matched none of these girls and they were full. Imagine your whole hair in a ponytail and it was cut between the ponytail and your head. So, yeah. like, the ponytail's holding hair. Um, all three different kinds. They're not his hair. And... They've never been matched to anybody. No. So, here's one ponytail. It's a braid. Yeah. That oh, yeah. One. That's definitely a female. Yeah. So, that's just what he confessed to. And then the three ponytails that are not connected to anyone just yet... But it's just one of those things where, you know, what kind of punishment, I guess it makes you question, like, what kind of punishment is right for that type of offender? Or what can you do when someone like that is um, uh, out in society? I mean, the doctors, psychologists classified him as a classic psychopath. Yeah, and there's clearly. really no treatment for that. So, is he alive today? No. Okay. He Did passed. he die in prison? He he passed in prison from a heart attack. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, too bad, so sad. Those are the things, man. I see how people get on board with the death penalty. Yep. And then now, Natasha Ryan, on the other end of that, she met up with her family, and I, and I saw the interviews between her and her mom, and her mom was obviously... Glad, of course. Yeah. Um, But also hurt. How could my own kid say they love me and do this? Well, yeah. And Natasha and Scott actually got married. 
afterwards and are living life happily married now. You wonder if their families are involved in their lives. Um, they were in the they were in the wedding pictures, and it's so and it's so weird how you're in that position of like, yes, I want to welcome you back to the family. I love you. I miss you. But at the same time, you're the reason why you we were caused so much pain. I, yeah, and then the guy. I'm kind of surprised yeah. he didn't face any charges or anything. They did. They oh. got fined. Um, I don't think he got prison time, but they definitely got fined. She got fined a thousand dollars for perjury, lying to the police. Yeah, there's kind of part of me that thinks people like that should do time. Uh, if you're just running away for no reason and creating chaos and making your family think you're dead, like that's not fair. Yeah, they got married in two thousand eight, but he only got a fine. Uh, and she got guilty of causing a false, uh, police report or investigation. She got fined like a thousand dollars because the court saw that she wouldn't have had money to pay back any, anything anyway. So. That's terrible. Yeah, no prison time for either of them, which is really weird. I couldn't find for sure what the age difference was between Said he was older. and boyfriend. Yeah. And he had an apartment. So I don't know what the age of consent is in Australia. And what that would have been. Let's look it up real quick. Because that, that makes me curious. Well, that would have been a long time ago, too. So. 98. That's right. Okay. So, I think that's it. Really weird story from Australia. How, you know, it's a serial killer. But then there's also this intertwined story of Natasha Ryan. Who was faking her own yeah, kidnapping. That's and so bizarre. But then her conscience got the best of her and. She at least... Her, I mean, I, I mean, I'm she would have had to come out somehow, I'm some glad. But, like, at the same time, I'm also bothered. Right. I just... I can't imagine doing that to my family. And, no. like, I know 14-year-olds do really dumb things, but there's part of me that's, like... Never, nowhere along the way were either of these two, like... Maybe this is a bad idea. Well, I mean, not only that, like you said, yeah, a 14-year-old does stupid things, believe me. But you, she she was there for five years, so you go through the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah. And how at 16, 17, 18 do you not say, fuck, this is enough? Yeah. Like one year, I would have been like, I'm done. She's not... She's not leaving the house to do anything. She's completely in this house 24-7. She said that every now That's and then. That's a terrible existence. Why would you do that to yourself? No yeah. matter how the fuck much you have to you make your person. own tampons. Ew. Ew. Yeah. I could like, thought of an OB. God forbid. <laughs> like, she's, like, just using regs as, like, oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. But the only time that she would, like, ever leave the house was undercover, completely disguised, and they would just walk down to the beach at night. And I'm like, can you imagine that's, that's a the terrible... only thing you're doing? My God, it's, like, COVID quarantine times a thousand. Right, <laughs> right. She can't go out Oh, at my all. gosh. And this is before Uber right. Eats. It's, like, quarantine, and they're out of tampons at this point. Amazon's dun, dun, not dun. really a thing. No. Right. This is terrible. Yeah. So this girl lived like that on purpose. And luckily it was publicized that he was confessing to her murder. Otherwise, she probably... I don't know what she would have done. At what point... Why did he confess to it, though, is my question. Well, because he wanted to get out of uh, uh, Gen Pop. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Because he even had the story down pat saying that he picked her up from the Cineplex, which was what was in the news as the last place that anyone saw her because the last anyone saw her was at the Cineplex parking lot with some 
uh, car with the tire screeching away. Mm-hmm. So he even had that part of the story into his story. And I think part of what didn't derail it was like, oh, look, no, he is crazy. Yeah. Look at him. This is helping his insanity plea because he is confessing to things he didn't even do. This girl is alive and well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he he was doing that to get out of Gen Pop because he knew he, you know, something or another was going to happen in, in Gen Pop. I'm just, I'm a big fan of Australia coining the name Lenny the Loon. Yeah. Like, just Lenny the Loon. big fan. Because he was fucking crazy, man. Yeah, it totally fits. Well, he couldn't walk anywhere down the street. And it's not like an overly cool nickname, you know? Like, they're not trying to, like, give him, like, a cool um, moniker, like... um, And this was the nickname they gave him in prison. So, it's like, oh, there goes Lenny the Loon. (laughs) You know, they were more like, watch out for the fucking crazy balls. That's my story. That's my story. The end. Next time. Okay. So, send us your resolutions. Yeah. I would love to know what... I like to know what people's resolutions are, and I would really like to know if you've ever made a resolution that you actually saw through to the very end of the year. No. (laughs) I can't think... I can't even think of one that was, like, two months in, I'm still doing good. I feel like I had one at one point, but I don't remember what it was that I feel like I really... I'll say this. Mine will be using my standing part of my standing desk more. Ooh, you know what? My my sister, she, um, she's not Ramiro's sister, but she's my sister. She made a resolution one time to not bleach her hair, and she made it an entire year without bleaching her hair. Why? Because she... <laughs> Listen, okay? How? So, <laughs> some of us... We're we're a little we're a little prone to certain behaviors with our hair. Anyway, she was like she was always going like super dark and then she'd go super blonde and like her hair had just been Oof. through it. And so yeah. I think it was like right after college. I'll have to ask her. It was like right after college she made a resolution. She'll just like do her hair dark, let it recover, like we will regrow twenty yeah. or two thousand ten or two thousand twelve or thirteen or something like that and no bleach all year long and she made it all year. Damn, not putting not highlighting your hair, no blonde. I can't promise that. You even saying the word bleach makes me want to go get some. Please so. don't. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> you saw my hair. By the time this episode comes out, my hair will be fixed. <laughs> will not have orange hair anymore. It's not orange. It's no, because I, t- I toned the shit out of it. Yeah. I literally, like, coated it in blue toner. Yeah. It doesn't look bad at all. Thank you. I worked really hard to make it look like this. But <laughs> by the time this episode comes out, I'll probably be a brunette again, much to Kara's joy. <laughs> I told her, I said, I'm probably going dark after this. She goes, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It makes me so sad. Oh, no. I hope I don't fall. <laughs> Alright guys, hope you're having a good start to your new year. Uh, like Kenzie said, let us know your resolutions. And I think that's it for this story. <laughs> okay, bye-bye now. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>